Hey everybody, it is Drags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast powered by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Networks. Back with Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Kelsey and I, among others, were in the press box on Monday night watching the Bengals finally break through and get their first win of the 2023 season. I think both of us agree, Kelsey, it was a must-have victory. Yeah, and it's funny because going into the game, everybody was kind of like cautious to say it's a must-win just because it's week three, but... From Zach Taylor's comments and Joe Burrow's comments, all of us in the media that said it was a must-win game, our comments were validated because that's how they viewed this game as, too. No question. No question. And, you know, I would say the thing, and we'll we'll talk about this in a little while, that the relationship between Burrow and Jamar Chase and what an outstanding game that they had. But you pointed out on Twitter, and I know you were in the locker room talking uh, to Trey Hendrickson, among others, the defense carried the, the story on Monday night. It, there is no question that the most dominant effort was put forth by Lou Anarumo's group. They needed it. We wondered all season to this point, two games in, uh, where the pass rush was. But on Monday night when they needed it, they got to a guy that, as you told me before the game, loves to sling it around the field. How are they going to handle Matthew Stafford slinging it around the field? Trey Hendrickson showed up big time on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, they looked more like the group that we all expected them to be. I mean, I feel like during training camp, all of us reporters said that the Bengals defensive line was the deepest group they had right. on the defensive side of the ball. And through two games their pass rush was virtually non-existent. I mean, not even registering quarterback hits against the Ravens. Um, they needed to have a big game. Look, they're paying Trey Hendrickson a lot of money. Yeah. They paid Sam Hubbard a lot of money. They paid DJ Reader a lot of money. They paid BJ Hill a lot of money. Those guys are being paid at the high level to produce and make an impact on the game and affect quarterbacks. And through the first two games, they just weren't getting there. So it was great to see them look like the unit that you thought they were going to be all season long. And you wonder if they, similar to Burrow, needed some time to amp things up. I mean, it's not ideal to basically feel like your first two games are like preseason games. But if the Bengals defensive line can get after teams like this, uh, I think it's going to be important. And I actually wrote that in my analysis because I'm like, Burrow's not going to get healthy anytime soon. Correct. He's not going to be 100% exactly right. anytime soon. So the Bengals are going to have to rely on their defense and their wide receivers to step up and make plays. And I think the pass rush could be what really helps them in those critical games where you're just not going to get the heroic performances from Burrow this year. So the offense took the ball. The Bengals actually accept the won the toss and took the ball to receive. They moved down the field, a couple of first downs. Then the drive stalled, and there was even a drop pass uh, from Jamar Chase on that drive. Uh, Evan McPherson pulls the 56-yard field goal wide left, and then the Rams march right down the field. 2-2 Atwell takes a reverse around the right side, an end around. And it looks like for all the world, he just skirted the, uh, was able to toe dance along the right sideline and leap into the end zone. But upon further review, he steps out in between the two and the three yard line. 
that was a game-changing moment for the Bengals because on the very next play, to your point, DJ Reader had a huge sack of Matthew Stafford. And I, you were there, and I asked Zach about that after the game. When Reader gets in and sacks Matthew Stafford at that point, it stopped the Rams' momentum, and the Bengals were able to hold him to three. How big did you think that was, Kelsey? I thought it was huge, and I think had the Rams scored there and gone into the half with that type of momentum, I, I believe there's a stat like Sean McVay is like 45-1 and one when he has a lead at halftime. Right. So you're talking about is that a potential game-changing play that was called back. And fortunately, the Bengals were able to get another redo on it, and they made him pay for it. But – yeah, DJ, he needed that. Through he the really first did. Couple of, through the first couple of games, it felt like it wasn't it wasn't enough on the interior pass rush for the Bengals. And I think DJ's the type of guy once you get him going, you know, he can he can reach a new level, but you got to get him going first. And I think no, that was a huge play. No one knows DJ Reader inside that locker room uh, that covers the Bengals better than you do. You had an f- incredible piece. Um, well, late summer as the season began, right, uh, on A Son Never Forgets. And just tell us a little bit, Kelsey, about the makeup of DJ Reader and, and what makes him so special. I think my biggest takeaway after spending a day and a half with DJ in his hometown and meeting his mom, meeting his son, and meeting, like, people that he grew up with is that if you know DJ's story, it's one of – it's so hard to explain it, but you can say um, overcoming adversity, hope, strength, but also sadness. Right. He lost his dad in college, and it was really hard for him. And everything he does now is dedicated to leaving a legacy that his dad would be proud of. And he channels so much of what he's gone through in his life on the field. And that's why, you know, everybody jokes about Blackout Trey. But DJ, it feels like, gets to another level in his mind, too. And a lot of that is, I mean, he said something to me I'll never forget. He was like, based off of what I've been through, he was like, there's nothing I can't handle. And I think what stands out about DJ is he's like a no-nonsense guy. Like, he's not going to sugarcoat it. And he's not going to tell you the Bengals can figure it out or the Bengals are playing well when they're not. And I think that's what I respect most about him and – you could tell like he knew this game was important for the Bengals. And you heard him when he was coming out of the tunnel into the locker room after the game, he said back on track track. and I can't for the life of me figure out why this team can't get it going early in the season. I mean, we'll have all of next off season to debate that, but sheesh, they sure do make it hard on themselves. They do, Kelsey, and I just don't think they play, played tough enough. I don't think they played hard enough, and uh, they didn't play with urgency. And a lot of players in that locker room would uh, agree with that, in that uh, the Bengals did not come out in that first week looking like they were ready to take on the Cleveland Browns and Nick Schaub. And then against Baltimore, too many mistakes. Again, a lack of execution, and Burrow did not look himself at all in the first half. But I want to go back uh, to the defense again, Kelsey, because you can't stress enough how important it was to get everybody on the same page on that defense. And another player I want to focus on is Dax Hill. I called it Max Dax. 
because it was Lou Anarumo activating one of the fastest players on the defense and really f- having him fly all over the field. And, you know, I told you at halftime last night as we were enjoying our halftime meal uh, that Dax Hill was the standout of that game to that point. And I thought that when he sacked Matthew Stafford, that was one of the turning points um, of certainly the first three weeks of this season for the Bengals. It is almost like the Bengals needed a wake-up call. They needed to be shaken out of their uh, morose uh, play throughout the first three weeks. And I think that play has the capability of doing that if they build upon it going forward. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation we could have right now. If you had to pick who was the defensive player of the game, is it Logan? Is it Trey? I don't think Dax did enough for the whole game, but he did. You know, that's what you were hoping to see from Dax. So I thought that was a really critical play. Um, but yeah, more of that, you know, is what the Bengals are going to need because Jesse Bates has three interceptions down in Atlanta so far mm-hmm. this year. And he's shown through a couple games that the Bengals are missing him and Vaughn. And if Dax can come up with game changing plays like that, it makes the departure of Jesse Bates less apparent. Yeah, I think that's there's a lot of validity to that, but I also believe that um, the Bengals are going to be okay. And we can debate this, but I think they're going to be okay without Jesse and Von Bell going forward. It's going to take a while for, or maybe take another game or two for Nick Scott and Dax Hill to really get to know each other in that secondary and pass coverage. Uh, but in terms of their tackling ability, I think they've both been pretty much spot on. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and older and present in Massachusetts, Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, let's get to the offense because we're a little pressed for time here. Uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and the relationship they had was on full display on Monday night. And I love the fact that both of them had each other's back. And I wrote about this after the game. Jamar Chase said, I'm here to make Joe Burrow look good. I'm here to make Joe look good. And Jamar, uh, Joe Burrow said after the game Monday night uh, that he's my guy. I was co- coming into this game and I was going to feed my guy. And that tells me 
without them really talking about what they were going to say post game, that tells me they're both on the same wavelength and they certainly were on Monday night. Your biggest takeaway from the way they, those two players played. Well, we should give credit to Zach and Brian Callahan for them not being stubborn and taking the time, Brian, taking the time to meet with Jamar. And as Jamar told us, get back to the basics of how to get him involved in the game. So often I feel like some NFL coordinators have egos and they want to do things their way and they're not receptive of player feedback. And I think the message was sent loud and clear from Jamar. And I mean, Brian Callahan and Zach know Jamar gives them their best chance to win if he's involved. He's one of the best players in the NFL. So I thought it was really positive. I thought that was probably... I thought I had a couple things that I thought were like the biggest takeaway, but I thought Jamar getting going was so big. And I think it reinstilled so much confidence in Joe that even with this, you know, leg that we don't know what percent he's at, that Jamar and Jamar said, like, it's going to be on me and the receivers to step up with Joe being injured. Um, So I thought that was a huge takeaway and, I thought the biggest thing that stood out to me is the way they got him involved. It wasn't just one way the whole time. And I absolutely loved some of the plays that they came up with to get him the ball in space. Uh, Cause I mean, even when you think he's about to get tackled, he comes up with two or three more yards and that makes a difference when you're talking about like a potential second and 10, you know, then you get, even if it's just a little slant to him, you're now third and five because of the extra yards he can get. So I think he is certainly the straw that makes that offense. There's no doubt about that work. And now it's going to be moving forward and it's not anything new, but that's going to be defensive coordinators are going to know Joe's not hundred percent. If we can take away Jamar, we can win the game. And that's where I think I'm interested to see where they go from here in terms of Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins' is involvement. I thought T. Higgins had one of his worst games yesterday. Yeah, no, um, yes. And, <laughs> and it was, they kind of went away from Tyler Boyd, but you can't fault them because they're trying to feed Jamar. But I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes with Tyler and T because defenses are going to be hell bent on making sure Jamar doesn't beat them and have another 141 yard game. Okay. Two things. The third and 10 that set up the first uh, Bengal touchdown uh, of the night and the only Bengal touchdown of the night uh, was a brilliant job by both Jamar and Joe on Jamar's uh, part. He found the zone over the middle Uh, and he was able to get open for just a second on third and 10, and it was a 13-yard gain over the middle. Joe, for his part, did not lead him into the safety to get crushed because he he knows he needs Jamar Chase healthy and standing upright for the rest of the season. He threw it behind him on purpose, uh, and it was a great job by Jamar adjusting his body, making a play on Jamar and maybe a few others, Justin Jefferson, uh, among others, uh, and Tyreek Hill could make, and that is twisting his body, catching the ball, 13-yard gain, 
a couple of plays later, Joe Mixon into the end zone for the touchdown. The other play um, was a thing of beauty. And to your point, Zach and Brian Callahan did a great job of engaging Jamar, but they did so in on the 43-yard um, naked bootleg that Joe Burrow uh, didn't run. He jogged. <laughs> uh, but it was a... It was Chase Brown, the rookie, going off to the left, Joe Burrow rolling around to his right, and Jamar sold the play as a run, which got him free down the sideline for about, gave him about five yards uh, of free space. Burrow found him, and then he was off to the races. It's that kind of creativity, Kelsey, uh, that the Bengals are going to have to show the rest of the year to get, to your point, get Jamar open. Yeah, I rewatched the game this morning and rewatching that play it was I thought it was beautiful in the press box when I saw it but it was even more like I don't know like everybody just hit on everything they were supposed to do in that play and it worked and when you see that it it's um, that's what you think the Bengals offense should look like you're watching Miami's of the world the 49ers of the world like all these Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan how they're doing all this exciting stuff to get their players the ball in space and you just, that felt like you need to see more of that from Zach and Brian Callahan. And as we let you go here, Kelsey, what are the Bengals going to need to do to keep Joe Burrow healthy throughout the year? Because they're going to have to manage this. I think uh, everybody uh, acknowledged that after the game, especially Burrow himself. This is something he's probably going to have to deal with the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, everything you read about cap strains, and we don't know the severity of it, but it, it's a six to eight week deal where and there's just no there's no time there's no six weeks that burrow can sit and right. the Bengals playoff hopes are still alive um that's why i never quite understood why everybody was so yeah the Bengals should play jake browning i i never quite understood i, I would have like, bought it i would have three do or die game i would have bought it had the bengals taken that tack in training camp and said he's not quite right he's not a hundred percent we're gonna do what we can do in the first four weeks everybody on the team knows that and the mentality is we get joe back like jamar chase has been saying all along we get joe back when he's closer to a hundred percent and it's up to us to pick up the slack at the start of the season so that, you know, when Joe comes back, he's coming back to a team that's ready to compete and pick up. That was not the way the Bengals played it. And Burrow was not himself in the first two weeks. They lost those two games and now they're going to have to manage the situation, not saying they can't do it, uh, but that's really the situation Kelsey, they find themselves in. Yeah. It, it's going to be fascinating and there'll be no shortage of things for us to talk about on a week to week basis. But I think it goes back to what I was saying. And I wrote it in my analysis on Cincinnati.com. The offensive line is going to have to keep playing at a high level. I thought they were really good yesterday. Um, you're going to need more interceptions and, and forced fumbles on defense. It's just how you're going to have to win games. That's going to have to be kind of like the thing for the defense is taking the ball away. Uh, and, and like you said, with Burrow, it's going to be getting him. I think you're going to see a lot of Wednesdays where he doesn't practice. I think it's going to be a lot of, let's give him an extra day. And if he can practice Thursday and Friday, um, so don't freak out if you see him not practicing on Wednesdays, as long as he gets one or two days of practice, I think they can deal with it. But if I think he does need to practice, I think he's proven he, he needs practice and, 
So I think you're going to see a lot of Wednesday load management type of vet style um, off days for Burrow. And then just like you're saying, like, and the good thing is, is he's really good even when he's not hurt about getting the ball out of his hands fast. Yep. So I think they get, I think that they're in a position where they can, they can make it work. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on Cincinnati's defense taking the ball away and keeping points off the board and not looking like the unit that they were in the first two weeks and more like the unit they were in the second half of last night's game. That is Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer. She does a phenomenal job covering all things Cincinnati Bengals for the Inquirer and Cincinnati.com. Uh, anything else you're working on you want to get out there, Kelsey? No, Plus your podcast. Uh... Your, your, <laughs> plug your podcast. This is your chance to do that. Plug it. You can listen to my podcast, the Bengals Beat Podcast, twice a week, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, in the offseason, we do some fun stuff with players. So if you want some uh, conversations with Bengals players in the locker room, that's where you can get it. Um, but, yeah, so check that out. And, Trags, thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure as always, Kelsey. We'll see you on the beat very, very soon all right she's kelsey conway of the cincinnati inquirer my name is mike petralia trags i want to thank you and uh, for downloading this episode of the jungle roar podcast and remind you that it is powered by the FanDuel sportsbook the exclusive wagering partner of the clns media networks until next week i'm mike petralia trags keep that jungle roaring